we often lose sight and forget to look up, don't we? And forget that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. We're just pilgrims. And so we we good. thank you for the reminder today. If you have your Bibles, uh, open to Jonah chapter 2. And if you didn't bring a Bible today, uh, bring one next week. But this week, go ahead and grab the one there in the pew rack in front of you. And find near the end of the Old Testament, Jonah chapter 2. As we continue journeying with Jonah. And I trust that this uh, series so far has been a blessing and a challenge to you. I know it has to my own life. Jonah chapter 2. And as you're finding that, I want to share some words uh, from John MacArthur. And John MacArthur said this. Prayer is fitting at any time, in any posture, in any place, under any circumstance, and in any attire. Let me say that again. Prayer is fitting at any time, in any posture, in any place, under any circumstance, and in any attire. He goes on to talk about the different places that people prayed uh, in the biblical accounts. You know, people in the Bible prayed in all, prayed in all sorts of places. They prayed in battle, uh, in a cave, in a closet, in a garden, on a street, on a mountainside, by a river, by the sea, in the street, in the temple, uh, in bed, uh, in a home, on a housetop, uh, in a prison. Uh, in the wilderness, and also on a cross. Uh, in fact, 1 Timothy 2.8 tells us that God wants men every place to pray. But you know, as I think about prayer, and I think about the different places that we pray, I believe our passage today has the uh, title for the most unusual place from which a prayer has been offered. If you look at Jonah chapter 2, the very first verse, it says this, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. We have here before us this morning what we might call one of those fish belly prayers. Now, I'm just curious, anybody here ever done that? Anybody here ever prayed from inside a fish? Let me see your hands. I didn't think anybody would raise their hand. But you know what? Jonah did. We understand that Jonah ended up in this fish. It says in the last verse of chapter 1, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of that fish three days and three nights. Then it says in chapter 2, verse 1, that he prayed from the belly of that fish. Now, Jonah knew what it was like to stay over at the whale motel. As Adrian Rogers used to say, Jonah slept on a foam blubber mattress. He knew what it was to be inside of this great fish. He knew what it was like. Now, what about this fish? This great fish. This is different. Usually men go out and they catch fish. But here we have a fish going out and catching a man. And he has this man and he swallows this man. And what kind of fish was this? Well, we don't know for sure what type of fish it was. We know the Bible says very clearly that it was a great fish. It was a big fish. It would not have fit on the wall in your living room mounted. No, sir. This was a great big fish. Jesus would later say in the Gospels, uh, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I remembered years ago I pastored a man, 
And we were covering the uh, story of Jonah and he got all upset with me and he got all kind of been out of shape a little bit because the Bible says it was a fish here. And then Jesus says it was a whale. And he was talking about how a whale is a mammal, not a fish. And he got kind of upset about that. And in all honesty, the Christian science scholar Henry Morris said the fact that modern biologists do regard a whale as a fish or not as a fish, but as a marine mammal is not relevant. He says the biblical classification system is not based on the same system we use. Marine vertebrates were fish in the Bible, whether or not they were warm blooded or suckled their young. So it really doesn't matter that we think it's a mammal, a whale's a mammal. And furthermore, where it says well there, where Jesus says he was in the whale's belly, in the original language, you can interpret that and translate that a great sea creature. We're not even sure exactly that it was a whale, but don't get bent out of shape over that. Don't get all, you know, upset about that. Suffice it to say it was a real fish who swallowed a real man, a real prophet of God. God says it and that settles it. God says it and that settles it. Jesus believed this story and that's good enough for me. But some want to remove the miraculous from the Bible. They say there's no way that a fish could swallow a man and that man could live inside that fish and then come out of that fish. There's no way that could happen. In fact, uh, Stephen Davy shared some things in a sermon on Jonah he had. He said he, he had been amazed at the imagination that many have exercised in, in trying to point out that this, this is not really what happened here. He says one author suggested that what actually happened was another ship came along and that ship was named the fish. And Jonah ended up, he was rescued and he was stayed on that ship named the fish. Another author suggested that Jonah swam to dry ground, and when he got to the dry ground, he stayed at an inn named, guess what, the fish. And he stayed at that inn for three days and three nights. Um, Beloved, that's not what happened. The Bible is very clear that God prepared a great fish, and that fish came along and he swallowed Jonah. A generation ago, skeptics, he said, we're talking about the fact that the throat of a whale uh, could not even swallow an orange without difficulty. And for some whales, that is true. However, when you consider the sperm whale, the sperm whale is known to swim in the Mediterranean. And furthermore, it has a throat. Listen, its throat is 20 feet long, 15 feet high and nine feet wide. He mentions that's large enough not only to swallow a man, that fish, that sperm whale could swallow an 18 wheeler. It could swallow a mobile home because its throat is 20 feet long, 15 feet high and nine feet wide. Furthermore, marine biologists have determined that a large fish would have enough air inside its stomach for someone to breathe. However, it'd be very, very hot. They, they estimated and figured out the temperature to be around 104 degrees Fahrenheit inside of that stomach. Now, he says the question is not, is, the, is there a big enough fish? The question is, is there a big enough God? Because if God is for real, the fish is the easy part. If God is who he says he is, and he is, then the fish, that's no big deal. God's the one that created the earth, the world, and all that's in it. 
Now, we understand that. We've we got that down. We've, we've dealt with the fish. Now let's deal with the fish food, Jonah himself. I was amazed as I looked at this. There's another issue that I didn't realize that was an issue. I was surprised to find that Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, conservative commentators and preachers, there are those who believe that Jonah actually drowned. Now, they don't deny the miraculous because they believe that later on he was resurrected, he was brought back to life, but they believe that he drowned and he was in that fish. And I'm talking about men like J. Bernie McGee, men like Henry Morris, men like M.R. DeHaan. And I greatly respect these men. And, and they're smarter, and I think all those are dead already, but uh, they were smarter than I ever hoped to be. But I totally disagree with them on this point. To me, the very first verse of chapter 2 settles it. It says, Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Now, if you take their interpretation that he died, when did he pray? Did he get swallowed and stand there a little while? Then he prayed or did he pray maybe after he was resurrected? I mean, he he died and all of a sudden he woke up and he realizes I'm in a fish belly and then he prays. To me, the most common sense thing here is they could literally grammatically, historically and say that this fish swallowed a man and he was in there alive. According to the scriptures, three days and three nights. So let me tell you something. Jonah was in that fish belly, but listen, it was a hellish place to be. In fact, he'll say in verse number three, for thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas and the floods can pass me about all the billows and thy waves passed over me. Um, Go back to verse number two. He says he cried to the Lord. He heard me out of the belly of hell cried I and thou heardest my voice. Think about it now. When we look at this story in many children's Bible story books, we see a, a picture of maybe Jonah there. I went and got some of my boys' Bible story books out, and one of them had Jonah, and it was this big place around him. It was all kind of, you know, had a little bit of water dripping off of him. He was, he was seated on a turtle with the eyes looking from the shell, and he looked kind of weird. Um, others that you see, it may look like a pleasant place. I think McGee even mentioned one he had seen years ago. You know, Jonah's even seated at a table inside the fish's belly. That is not what happened, beloved. It was a dark, rank, wet, horrible place. Let me ask you this. How bad do fish smell? Think about that for a moment. Now, as bad as they smell, how bad do you think their stomach smells inside of them? Jonah likened it to being in hell. In verse 5, it talks about that the waves passed him and, and talks about here how the weeds were wrapped about his head. Can you not see him in there, pitch black dark, thrashing around with everything else that's in this fish's belly? Possibly 104 degrees, dark, struggling along. And what did he do? Well, finally, he prayed. Now, here's what's interesting. It appears he didn't want to pray on the boat. Remember during the storm, they came to him and said, cry out to your God. We don't find that he prayed there. But I guarantee you, beloved, he hit the water and went inside of this well. And God brought him to the point where he was 
praying. Now, I believe that Jonah wrote the book of Jonah. And, and, and as we look at this, we know he didn't have probably a pen or a paper uh, inside the whale's belly. Uh, he shares this, obviously, after getting out of that hellish place. Notice it says in verse 2, he says in the past tense, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. I cried. And then he goes through and begins telling us about his prayer. Let's read it together today and see what God has for us here. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me off into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Now, some want to know, how did Jonah know? If Jonah wrote this book, how did he know he was in the belly of this fish for three days and three nights. I mean, he didn't have a calendar in there. He didn't have a digital wristwatch with a light saying, okay, that's one day, two days, three days. How did he know this? Well, obviously he wrote this in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And furthermore, if nothing else, God told him, if nobody else did, that he was in this place, in this hellish place for three days and three nights. Let me ask you something. Would you agree with me this morning that being in a fish's belly, a whale's belly, if you will, for three days and three nights, would you agree that would give a fella a lot of time to think and to ponder? <laughs> he was trapped in the middle of a fish in the middle of the ocean. We can honestly say that Jonah hit bottom. He'd gone very low. He'd blown it. He was running away from God. He was running away from God's will. God said, go to Nineveh. He says, I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm going the exact opposite way. He rebelled and God caught him literally. At the exact moment, at the exact place, when those sailors throw him overboard, God has prepared a great fish that comes along, opens up and swallows this prophet of God. Now, if you remember from last week, God is not seeking to harm his servant here. He's not seeking to destroy his servant. He's not seeking to do away with Jonah. He's seeking to help his servant. He's correcting Jonah. He's disciplining Jonah. And he did this by sending that storm, by sending the sailors, and by sending this great fish. Now, I want you to notice that Jonah knew that it was not the sailors who had him in this place, who threw him overboard. Yes, they physically threw him overboard. But notice what he says in verse 3. He says to the Lord in his prayer, For thou, that is the Lord, hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas. In other words, Lord, you did this. And he says in verse number 2 that he cried 
because of his affliction. When Jonah had gone this far, he'd been brought this low. When he was in real trouble, he finally cries out to the Lord. He finally prays. Now, it would have been nice to see Jonah praying back earlier in the story, saying, Lord, help me as I go to Nineveh. Help me as I preach your word. Help me as I follow your will and obey you. But he doesn't do that. He follows his own sinful, selfish way, and he ends up being thrown into the sea, almost drowning, being swallowed by a great fish to bring him to his senses. And in his desperation, he finally cries out to God. Now, Christian, let me ask you a question. When you're at your lowest, when you've blown it, when you're very low, do you cry out to the Lord? You know, as I think about that, if we were honest, I have to say many times we don't, at least not at first. Say, so what do you mean, preacher? Well, if we're honest, sometimes we get to those points in our lives and instead of crying out at that moment to the Lord, we think like this. We think along these lines, I need to get myself a little bit better. I, I need to get some reformation going. I need to do some things and get myself to the point where I can pray to the Lord. John Kirsten explained it this way. He says, when, we, when we're in a place where we know we were, we've rebelled against the will of the Lord and we're in a tight spot because we rebelled, we think, listen, no doubt I've blown it so badly and grieved God so deeply, he won't listen to anything I say. Therefore, why pray? If I were God, I wouldn't listen to me either. He says we have the mistaken idea that God hears the prayers of good people, but turns a deaf ear to those who are in a place of rebelliousness and weakness. He says, so often I mistakenly think my relationship with God is based upon the subtle supposition that if I'm really good. In other words, if I'm reading my Bible, if I'm going to church, if I'm praying a lot, God will hear my prayers. But if I'm not, but if I'm not. He's not interested. But as Kirsten says there, that just is not true. For as Jonah's about to experience, God is gracious and merciful. God is kind and compassionate, ready to forgive, eager to respond to his children, no matter where they're at or what they have done. Let that sink in, believer. When you're at your lowest when you've rebelled and sinned and maybe even running from the Lord. Listen, at that point, don't try to fix yourself up or act good and nice before you cry out to God. Right away in that low place, in that low spot where you've totally blown everything right there. Cry out to God. Cry out for his mercy. Cry out for his grace. Cry out for his deliverance. Cry out for his help. When you're at that spot where you feel like that you can't pray or, or I'm so bad, I shouldn't pray. Listen, that's the place you need to pray the most. And you need to pray right away. If God can reach down to Jonah in the belly of a fish in the middle of the ocean, surely he can meet you where you are this morning. Some of you are here today. And your fellowship with the Lord is not what it ought to be. 
In fact, if you were honest, you'd probably be saying, you know what, preacher, the fellowship is very cold. And we know that whenever we're in those spots, it, it wasn't God that messed up. It wasn't God that moved away. We know that we allowed sin and rebelliousness and self-centeredness and selfishness into our lives. And you're here today. And you know that your heart is not right with the Lord. Yes, you're his child. Yes, you know that Jesus is your savior. But that fellowship is not sweet like it once was. And your thought processes may be something like this. Well, I need to pray, but I've got to change some things first. I need to reform first. I need to fix myself first. No! Cry out to Him now. And allow Him to work in your life. Allow Him to transform you. Allow Him to do a work in your heart and your life. No matter where you are today. No matter how low you are. Repent. And cry out to God today. Right now in that low place. Cry out for His mercy. Cry out for His grace. Let God the Holy Spirit transform you. You see, beloved, when you're in that place, it's not just a physical reformation you need. It's a spiritual transformation. Cry out to Him. I want to very quickly draw four applications from Jonah's prayer. And when you find yourself in a low place, running from God, we see four things here that we need to do. Number one, we need to look to the Lord. Look at verse number four. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Remember where he is. He says, I'm going to look again. Now, he's in a place where it's dark, it's rank, it's horrible, it's hellish. He's traveling along inside of a fish. But he says in that place, I'm going to look toward thy holy temple. Now, remember, the temple... The sanctuary in Jerusalem was the symbol of God's presence. God's presence. Now, we know from chapter one, Jonah was doing everything he could to escape God's presence in his life. It says that in chapter one, verses three and chapter one, verse 10. He was seeking to escape the presence of the Lord. And here in this low place in his life. He's in rebellion. He's in sin. He's in this place where God has brought it to the end of himself. He says, you know what? I'm going to quit seeking to flee God's presence and I'm going to look for God's presence. He looks away from his sinfulness, away from his self, away from his selfishness to the Lord. Jonah knew the only one that could truly help him was the Lord. Listen, when you're at your lowest. When you've hit rock bottom, look up. Look up. Look up to the Lord. Look to the Lord. The second thing I find in his prayer is this. Remember the Lord. Look at verse number seven. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee into thine holy temple. 
Remember the Lord. Now, Jonah had done everything he could to forget the word of the Lord. I mean, the word of the Lord was very clear. Go to Nineveh, preach against it. And he tried to put that out of his mind, out of his head. He did not want to obey the command. He did not want to follow God's will. His soul was about to faint, but he remembered the Lord. He remembered that the Lord is the one who put him in this place. But he also remembered that the Lord is the one who delivered him from drowning, from literally losing his life. He says in verse number six, yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption. O Lord, my God, <clears throat> when you hit rock bottom, remember God's goodness to you. O.S. Hawkins points out that in Jonah's prayer, he says he made a remarkable study as he studied it. He didn't use one original thought or request. Jonah simply prayed the word of God. He said eight times in these few verses, he quoted from the book of Psalms. In other words, what Jonah did was he prayed the word of God to the Lord. He remembered God's word. He remembered the Lord. So there's low points in your life. Believer, look to the Lord. Remember the Lord. But then third, are you ready for this one? Thank the Lord. Look at the first part of verse number nine. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Now, what else did he have to sacrifice there? I mean, he couldn't offer an animal sacrifice, obviously. And the fish is belly. There was no animal there to sacrifice. But he had his voice. And he says, I'm going to sacrifice thanksgiving. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now listen, if Jonah could be thankful to the Lord <laughs> in a smelly, rank, dark, wet fish belly, what's your excuse? What's my excuse? You see, even at our lowest, when we think we've hit rock bottom, were it not for the grace of God, we would be even lower. Listen, if it were not for the grace of God, all of us would be in hell this morning. Think about that. All of us would be in, the, would be in hell today. He knew God had spared his life. He knew God is the one who is the God of grace and mercy. Thank the Lord. Get your eyes off yourself, off your circumstances, off your situation, and turn your eyes to the Lord in thanksgiving. Look to the Lord. Remember the Lord. Thank the Lord. And then finally, you ready for this one? Return to the Lord. Look at the next part of verse number nine. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Notice he says, I will pay the vows I've made. I will do what I said I would do. I'll quit running from the Lord and his will, and I'll begin running toward the Lord. I will obey the Lord. Now listen, it's not enough just to be sorry. When you sin, you rebel, you run away from God. It's not enough just to be sorry. You ought to be sorry. I ought to be sorry, but that's not enough. 
Sometimes people are sorry they got caught. Not sorry that they ran and disobeyed God. True repentance. True repentance means you're sorry enough to quit. True repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior, a change of direction. It's turning to God away from our sin. Now, was Jonah a perfect man after this? No. (laughs) We're going to find out very quickly in our study. We'll find him. He's pouting later on about the grace of God towards the Ninevites and so forth. But at this point, we realize that he returns to the Lord. He says, I will pay my vows. I will. And he recognized something that all of us need to recognize. And that is in the last part of that verse nine. Salvation is of the Lord. Hallelujah. Salvation is of the Lord. But he understood something else. And all of us need to understand this as well. Sin has its consequences. Yes, praise God, he will forgive. He will forgive. But, you know, as you look at Jonah's life, he's he's traveled a rough detour to get where he was right this moment. He had to endure the storm, the sailors, the sea, the fish. And ultimately, he ended up at the end of chapter two as a pile of fish vomit. That's a pleasant thought, isn't it? Look at what it says. Verse number 10. The Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Again, I point out to you, the fish was more obedient than the prophet. Sin has its consequences. Jonah Gave that fish indigestion. I remember as a boy, one of the ladies in our church talking about sin and its consequences. And she talked about how sin was like nailing and hammering a nail into a board. And then forgiveness is like taking and yanking that nail Out of the board. But then it was pointed out to us what was still in that board. You see, that nail left a hole. In other words, sin has its consequences. Jonah understood that. Yes, God forgives. Praise be to his name. But sin has its consequences. Just ask. Ananias and Sapphira. Just ask King Solomon. Just go ask King David. Go ask Jonah about sin and its consequences. Better to stay the course. Better to obey the will and word of God. Better not to sin. Better to walk along with the Lord. But when you fail. Cry out to God. Do it quick. Do it immediately. Do it right away. 
as the old preacher said long ago, keep short accounts with God. When you're at a low point, beloved Christian, look to the Lord. Remember the Lord. Thank the Lord. Return to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. You say, you preach, you don't know what I've done. God does, but he's still waiting for you. Will you come? Will you come back to him? Will you return? Quit running and return to the Lord. Let's pray. As your heads bow and your eyes are closed. Before we pray, I want to invite you. In a moment, let me sing. Maybe you're here and you've never met the Savior. Come today. He'll save you, forgive you of your sin. Come meet Jesus today. Maybe you're here and you're a child of God, but you be honest, you're out of fellowship with God. Come today. Don't wait. Don't try to improve yourself and get better. And then maybe next week you'll come. No, come today and cry out to him. Allow him to work in your life. Allow him to change you. Come today. Offer one of these fish belly prayers today. Say, God, you know where I'm at. But I cry out to you. And maybe somebody's here today as a Christian. And you know what? You're considering a detour from God's will and word. In other words, God has called you to do something or God in his word has said something is right. But yet you're considering an alternative. Listen, settle that today. His way is always right. His word is always right. Obey him. Walk with him. Regardless of the consequences, obey the Lord. Settle that today. Will you learn from Jonah? Will you learn from his prayer? Will you learn from his life? Don't run from God. Run to God. Father, we love you. We honor and adore you. We magnify your name in this place. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that in our sin we can cry out to you and you forgive. Oh, God, help us. If anybody's here today doesn't know you, I pray today they'll come in repentance and faith. I pray for believers that are cold, out of fellowship with you. Lord, maybe they're hanging back thinking, well, one of these days, Lord, may it be today, may it be this hour. That they come and cry out to you. Lord, if somebody's here considering going away from your will, away from your word, I pray today that they'll stop in their tracks and say, no, I will obey. I will obey. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. Bless this invitation, I pray in the Savior's name. Amen.